everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. Uh, it's your regular baseball history podcast, and it's your regular hosts. Jeff here, Mark A. Johnston up in the... Uh, are you in dry land? Are you okay? Do we need to send oh, a boat? It's uh, it's it's going to be a shock to the people tuning in, but uh, in the Seattle area, it's been raining a lot. Yeah. I'm wet. I have webbed fingers now, and... Um, Evolution really works fast up there, I guess. Oh yeah, we yeah. yeah. You should see my toes. It, it's pretty amazing. Right. I don't want to um, see your toes. It's, this is no, not you a, don't. This is not a foot fetish podcast. That's that's God, your good other thing one. too. That'd be odd thing to talk about. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, let's... Uh, things are going well. How are things for you, Jeff? Uh, things are going as well as they can in the off season here. I've been enjoying. Man, there has been some. Uh, I've watched some good cricket. The last week I watched a cricket match last night that was so cool because just like baseball stadiums, cricket fields can be different sizes. So I was watching the professional league from New Zealand yesterday and they were playing in what would be described as a bandbox. I mean, <laughs> it was so small. I tuned in halfway through. So the, the one team had already batted. It was a T20. So it's like 20 innings. And uh, they flashed the score and they scored 208. And I said, wow, that is for a for a T20. That is big. Usually about 150 is the average. And so the the other team started out and they there were five quick wickets. So like five quick outs. And I'm like, this is over They're 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 50 for five. So they've scored 50 runs. Five guys have already been retired. I'm like, this is over. And then they had a batter that ended up scoring 123 runs and balls were just flying out because the boundaries were so short. It was a lot of fun. I had, I had not witnessed a cricket match like that before. Now, Jeff, when you watch cricket, how, where do you watch it? Well, first of all, if you have ESPN Plus, it is, ESPN Plus carries cricket. Okay. Uh, so we have Hulu, which gives us uh, ESPN Plus and Disney Plus, which I guess is great for when I want to watch these Star Wars things. But uh, ESPN Plus definitely has cricket. Uh, there are a couple of services. There's Willow TV, which is 24-hour cricket. And there's uh, I also have Sky Sports, which has a cricket channel all to itself as well. There are plenty of ways to watch cricket, and I, I love it. I think it is so interesting and fun and... Yeah, I guess John Boy is apparently getting into cricket too. He's been posting some some cricket things, but I have to pay more. I have to pay better attention. I, I have not, and and as we've discussed on the show before, it is one of the precursors to the great game of baseball. So yeah, I think I should pay attention. Um, let's get into baseball. That's what, this is my cricket podcast oh, yeah, yeah. is forthcoming. But right. <laughs> let's. Uh, I want to jump back to a couple of things uh, from last week, Mark, because we talked about a couple of uh, baseball and and music items last week, and I wanted to bring them back up because that's one of the things we do. One of the things that we talked about last week. Well, we talked about Ruben Sierra during the Nolan Ryan no hitter from from May first and in ninety one, but uh, we also. I think we pulled his card during Wax Packs Heroes, and we mentioned his album, Imogen Viva. So I had to go listen to it. Lucky you. Well, actually it is. So I've got a little, yeah. I've got a little bit here for you. So now this is not really my type of music, but this is good. 
Now he's got a voice like butter. He's got a great voice. The music kind of making me move. I love the trumpets. I'm feeling it. He, I, I'm just impressed with this voice, though. I mean, that's really good. Yeah, he can sing. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Once I listened to that, I was like, wow, he's good. I wasn't expecting that. I'll be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I know. Either, right? his, his voice is great. Uh, we also talked about Rick Cerrone, catcher for just about everybody. We pulled him during Wax Packs. We've, we've talked about it before. He recorded a song in, uh, to, to benefit some people in Italy. I, he's obviously Italian. And there was obviously a, a, an earthquake in 1982 that did a lot of damage, and he was trying to raise money to help them. He recorded a song called A Long Run Home, where he is backed by the, uh, the actual writers of the song. They were in a group called the Dusty Road Band. <laughs> not the American Dream Band. Yeah, not, that's what I was <laughs> no, no relation to the American Dream, definitely. I cannot find this anywhere. Uh, there oh. is no, it's almost, I know it exists because I found physical wax copies for sale, but it is not on Spotify, iTunes, it's not on YouTube. I can't find it anywhere. If anybody can find it, let me know, because I would like to hear it. Uh, mainly because this is a description I found of it. <laughs> uh, quote, Cerrone brings a tender masculinity to this touching rock ballad. His style is straightforward and sincere, yet with a great deal of feeling. Experience for yourself the indescribable passion of the multi-talented, multifaceted superstar Rick Cerrone. Your world will never be the same. Okay, that might be a little overwrought, but... Um... I, think, I think Rick Cerrone's wife might have written that i don't know wow yeah that was pretty uh heaping praise there for uh that is. for mr cerrone I, I i gotta say uh, I, I don't think anybody's ever said anything near that nice about me ever <laughs> no. well the thing was that description so like i said i i found physical wax copies on on a couple of uh, websites where you can buy and trade records should you mm -hmm. should you want to do that i found this on get this a geo cities website now, I, if you are of a certain age, that URL means something to you. GeoCities is one of the first places where you could go and build a website for free. I had a Ricky Henderson website on a GeoCities website address at one point. But this website is so old that there is a 800 number that you can call. And at one point, you could listen to this song by calling in that number. And it oh, would wow. play the song. I, of course, called it, and it was not connecting. But that's, that's the best I could do. Final, we talked about Tim Burke, pitcher. Yeah. He was, in the, he was in the video for a Jeff Moore in the Distance song called Home Run. He did not actually sing. It is no. uh, just a, a music video. And once I listened to this song, I realized that we had actually listened to this before. I think the last time this came up, and I said I'd never heard it. Here's another little snippet of it in case you've forgotten so it's very catchy it's a it's a, it's a pretty decent song we used to play it um after a home run in by the home team in Tacoma. Why? We'd play the chorus. Yeah, why? Well, I don't. I don't 
You don't understand why? No, oh, I don't. I don't know. I just something the guy liked just, it. No. <laughs> so, have you seen the video for this with Jeff Burke in it? I've seen the video, uh, but it was a long time ago, and I don't remember Mr. Burke. So, I will put a link in the show notes to this video. If you're a baseball fan, it's pretty cool. It takes place in Nashville, and it uh, it was filmed at the old Nashville Sounds which uh, is a stadium that is no longer in use. It is still there, and it's decrepit, and uh, you can see videos on the Internet of people that sneak in and, and walk around it because it's overgrown. It's just they left it. But this is the stadium that has the guitar in right field. It's got the scoreboard in it and, and stuff. They've mimicked that at the new stadium in Nashville. It's old Sulphur Dell Stadium, but it's a new stadium. We've talked about all this before. It is there. It's a fictional game between the band and somebody else, but uh, Tim Burke is the pitcher for the other team, and uh, they're all vying for the attention of a blonde in the stands. and Like we all are. Yeah, it's know. a thing. But it, it, the stadium was cool because it's an old stadium. I'd actually been to a doubleheader at that stadium, too, so that was exciting for me that's cool speaking of favorite audio from last week there was a tie we got a lot of comments uh, about both the nolan ryan advil ad and the golden girls theme song a lot of people liked <laughs> these things last week so pieces of history yeah just for that we're we're gonna i'm gonna we're, we're gonna make everybody advil, happy here and those muscle lakes are long gone and Advil's gentler on my Thank stomach you than aspirin. The little mix Today it isn't aspirin or Tylenol. It's Advil. Down I feel ready to go another again. nine Advil. I'm not talented enough to like mix them together. DJ Jeff. At the same time. But it's a mashup. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Nolan. That's enough. We're not sponsored by I, Advil. Maybe DJing's in your future, man, because I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll send anybody, anybody that wants that. We'll, we'll, we'll send a copy out. Speaking of things that people like, uh, we got a request from a listener. They wouldn't mind seeing Second Best come back every now and then because of the, the theme song. Yeah, I've heard that too. That's funny. I, 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 they were like both two guys that I just like knew from locally that were friends of mine. They were like, hey, when are you guys going to bring back Second Best? A very okay. talented artist we got to sing the, the theme song. For that oh my gosh yeah he wishes to remain anonymous yeah I'm we sure. blew a lot of money on that so it we should get our we should get as much use out of it as possible but mark i had a, i had a thought we're coming up on show 150 yeah this is uh what is this, this is show number 148 so we're just a couple away from a kind of a landmark episode i was thinking why don't we have our listeners submit some topics for second best and during that 150th gala event we can we can do some of them that sounds like a great idea i yeah. like that so uh listeners if you've got uh, a couple of second best one two three multiple doesn't matter second best subjects go ahead and and, and send them to us well, at the end of the show we'll tell you how to get a hold of us uh, pretty easy and uh, during uh, during that 150th show we'll go through some of those and we'll we'll get to hear the second best theme and we'll we'll go over some second best answers I hope there's a remix, like a more of a rock and roll version. I wouldn't count on it. Okay. <laughs> He's very busy. He probably won't have time to, to do that. <laughs> All right, let's get into trivia before we get into the main part of the show. Last week, I asked a question, and you promised you would think about it because you didn't the week before. So my question was, I got three names for you. I want to know what they have in common. We got Roger Mason, Jeff Austin, and Phil Dumatrate. Okay. I, I cheated, man. I looked it up. I didn't want to be accused of not paying attention again, so that's my my bad. All right. Well, what what did you find? 
Well, I found out that they kind of set a, a type of history that you don't want to you don't want to set, and they allowed uh, home runs to each of the first three batters. There you go. Very good. Back to back to back home runs to start a game. Now, you know, last week we said Phil House talked to Bobby Valentine after watching Nolan Ryan warm up before his seventh yes. no-hitter and said, we better get somebody warm early because he doesn't have it today. I'm wondering what the pitching coaches said <laughs> when they were watching the, you know, warming up in the bullpen for these games. Now, we got a couple of answers. Uh, I don't know if this was harder or people just uh, didn't care this week, but Brian Krause and Andrew Harner both gave us the correct answer. But uh, Andrew Harner also told me that while my question is actually still correct the way I ask it, both Colby Lewis and Max Scherzer have also given up back-to-back-to-back home runs to start a game. That's not the best way to start three runs in the in the hole and a 4,000 on-base percentage or 4, yeah, 4,000 yeah. uh, total bases against you. Yeah, yeah so, I, you know, I've heard of Colby Lewis. Is, is this Max Scherzer guy any good? I'm not sure. Nah, I think I heard about him. He was like a prospect or something. Okay, I don't know. You know, what's interesting, though, is all of these are modern, uh, modern pitchers. I, I think Roger Mason was the oldest one. I'm not sure. One, it, it only went back to like the 1990s or the 2000s. And I'm very curious that this had never happened until then is kind of strange. Or if I've just missed it. But I yeah, would have I thought know. Andrew would have told me if I would have missed it. That's just true. But there you go. Uh, hopefully, uh, everybody else got that right and just didn't send us their answers and their feelings. <laughs> I, I thought about it and thought about it. And then since I couldn't even spell one of the guy's names, I thought, I'm not going to get this. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a new question for you. This one, uh, a little bit different. I want to know who is the only player, and I think this one will be this one will be easier. Who is the only player who's appeared in a World Series game at both Wrigley Field and Comiskey Park? Huh. Oh, I like that. So let's uh, let's see what everybody can come up with. Uh, just like uh, just like the second best. If you know, wait till the end of the show. We'll tell you how you can get a hold of us and uh, get your answer. In. But that's going to wrap it up for our BP segment. Grounds crew is already out there earning their money, doing a good job. And uh, we're going to now hand it over to Mark. It's your week to tell us uh, something interesting about baseball history. Yeah, I was... Uh perusing box scores the other day and trying to uh, keep uh, baseball, you know, sort of a a methadone while there is no baseball going on. You have chosen cricket, which is much smarter. I've chosen old box scores. And I started thinking, who was the first guy to put together a box score? Because I remember back when I was uh, doing scoreboards, toiling in the minor leagues, our official scorer, who is now actually a scorer for the Mariners, he has told me some stories about before there were actual programs set up to balance a box score, uh, how they would sit there and sometimes it would take hours to try and find one mistake in the whole thing. And uh, so I'll kind of go over that a little bit, but the box score was actually invented by Henry Chadwick, who we've discussed before straight out of England and a uh, big fan of Rand rounders. Um, is he straight out of Compton or England? Straight out of England. Okay. Yeah, just check. Yep. I got the shirt and everything. He he initially didn't wasn't a big fan of baseball. Um but he it grew on him. It grew on him and uh he attended a a game between a couple of teams in New York and he really enjoyed it and then from there he became like you and me and just started obsessing about it. 
So he is a kindred spirit. And so I like that. He called the baseball a national sport for Americans, just as cricket was for the English. At that time, none of the newspapers. Oh, by the way, this is uh, 1856. So your high school years. Yeah. I didn't don't think I made that clear at the beginning. This could have been last week for all I was saying. He tried to persuade the New York Times um, to report baseball matches as well as cricket matches, which they already did. And they weren't interested. So he said, why don't you hire a reporter? Why, why not just make it me? So uh, he made his own job up. So he started trying to come up with a way to report the events of the game besides just a line score. And a line score you can look at and say, here's what everybody scored each inning. Here's the final. Here's how many hits, etc." He wanted to refine the box score to have uh, individual stats uh, show up in a very succinct manner. He came up with a way to do it mathematically and uh, uh, literally. So the thing you have to remember, and this is where the struggle was before we had them newfangled computers figuring it all out. Um, In a baseball game, the number of plate appearances for each team has to be equal to the number of batters put out, scored, and left on base. So that means a box score is in balance or proved. They have to prove the box score. Like I said, the computers do it now. But now see if you can stay with me on this one, Jeff, all right? Box score is considered proved when the total of the team's times at bat, bases on balls received, hit batters, sacrifice bunts, sacrifice flies, and batters awarded first because of interference, has to equal the total of that team's runs, players left on base, and the opposing team's putouts. He thought of the walk as just like a weird thing that a pitcher screwed up. So he just wanted <laughs> well, to. Well, that was when them. it was like 12 balls to walk him. So it was really <laughs> well, no, hard. No, I think we moved past that. But I, it, it, there was also a time where a walk was considered an error. That's kind of the way he saw it. So the box score is accounting for the number of batters and what became it. Okay, scored, left on base, or put out. So an error is just going to be considered another put out or uh, just an at-bat without a hit. So if you do all this math and it comes out that it's not equal, you screwed up somewhere. You have to go back and, and now basically go through the whole game again. And they have to play it's it crazy. Over. Yeah, in your head and you're on, you know, on, uh, no, they, on they, paper. They, they, okay. Oh, you want to bring him, bring him yeah, back I in just and have like start him. over. I screwed hey, up. Hey, hey, anything to get more baseball. I'm cool with that. Basically, what Chadwick came down to was individual players and their individual line scores and that's allowed for him to do come up with what was most important to him and to most adherents at that time and that would be batting average you know walks were ignored errors were just something you screwed up on and getting on base wasn't considered a huge deal even though you know that's how you score runs is get on base first i think if we had a time machine you could go back and you could talk to him and be like hey dude on base percentage much more important than batting average and then maybe today that would be the thing that everybody looks at that's a fact uh i think that's a good idea i'm i'm gonna work on the time machine i actually invented a time machine jeff i'm not even making this up it only goes forward though and at regular time so uh, i'm still working on it you know (laughs) it's working as expected currently That's right. So the box score changed things up as far as uh, knowing how individual players did. Um, Before then, everything was just kind of uh, lumped in together. And there's no, obviously, there's no uh, TV, no video, and very few even photographs. You know, the writer was the only way we knew what happened in that ballgame. And so the idea of the box score uh, really started picking up momentum in 1925. Baseball Magazine reprinted an old box score from 1859. 
people saw it and they thought, hey, this is this is pretty cool. The evolutionary chain between those box scores in 59 and between 95, I completely lost track because everybody takes credit for it, bringing it along. But Chadwick was the inventor and it was his box score that started newspapers printing box scores again in 1925 and, and since then. Here's a little thing I found about uh, Chadwick uh, and the walk. Chadwick and those who followed him for a long time tended to regard the walk as something that was done by the pitcher. What they failed to understand is that actually the batter has as much or a little more to do when the walk occurs as the pitcher does. They ignored that element of it and it did distort the game for a lot of people. You know, and I remember growing up, a walk was cool, but it's much better if you got a hit when in all act- when in actuality, if you're going to score, it doesn't matter. Or as in Moneyball, do I care if it's a walk or a hit? You do not. It's very interesting here. I'm looking at a box score from 1876, hmm. and uh, I'm just looking at it here. It's between it's between Boston and Athletic, which I don't know. <laughs> Athletic yeah, Madrid? Athletic. I'm, I'm not sure. The columns here are T, which I'm assuming here means times at bat, R for runs scored, and then 1B for singles. And then it's defensive. It's put outs, assists, and errors. It's interesting because this game, the final score of this game was 19 to 11. Mm-hmm. Boston had 13 errors and Athletic had 15 errors. Then it goes <laughs> down. It, it's got a line score of score of, you know, runs by inning. And then it goes runs earned, Boston four, Athletic five. So those errors really came into play. There was one home run. And then it gives you total base on hits. So in the line score, it gives you singles. So, you know, this one guy had a home run. A couple of other guys must have had doubles or triples. And then it also lists first base by errors. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I I also see the time of game was two hours and 47 minutes. So Some things haven't changed that much. Yeah, it hasn't really changed that much. Uh, I remember, uh, I love box scores personally. I love to look back through old ones and uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening to our show are are geeks in that capacity too. Well, I think because a lot of people are our age. So, I mean, I got up in the morning, grabbed the sports page and while I'm eating my Captain Crunch or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cereal, I'm looking at the box scores from the day before. And that's That's the only way I would know what... You know, at that point, Ricky was on the Yankees, what he did. Exactly. When I first learned to love baseball and I was a kid, I was like six or seven. My dad used to have to explain to me what happened in every game and he got tired of it. So he taught me to read a box score really young. And I remember going through these things. And then uh, I remember one time I didn't really grasp the idea of playing game, playing different teams in a series of games. I was very upset because Tacoma had lost to the Portland Beavers the day before. And I took every loss very seriously back then. The only team that mattered was the Tacoma twins. Okay. You got to understand. And uh, I opened up and I was reading the box score. And then it said, uh, I was looking at when, what game was the next day. And it was, they were playing Portland again. And I, I swore up and down, something must've happened because they're going to play the game over. And I was really excited. Well, I ran box to score my dad. Yeah. The box score didn't add up. I've already covered right. this, right? Right, exactly. And he's like, no, 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 son, they play it in series. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. So I went back and I read the box score again and I figured it out. But uh, yeah, it, exactly like you say, the box score was our connection. We had, you know, whatever, three, four channels, not a lot of baseball on. 
Um, and so it was, those were great times and the box score would bring everything together that we, you know, maybe read about as far as the description of the game. And it really is an interesting and amazing piece of work because it all does add up and it all, uh, you can actually prove it and be absolutely sure that you got it right. It's funny. I was looking up just strange box scores and I came across a line for Ricky that I thought you would enjoy. It was a 16 to seven blowout loss against Toronto and uh, he went zero for zero with four walks and four runs scored. Stole five bases. Stole so, five bases. <laughs> no, no at bats, no hits, four runs scored, no RBIs, five stolen bases. So again, people tell me why base, uh, batting average is useful. Exactly. He hit zero. They lost the scored. game. Sure. They lost yeah. the game, but could anybody have had a better game than him in terms of what? being useful to his team? See, exactly. It's interesting. I I came across that and I was like, that is so cool. What's what stinks about it, though, is they pulled him uh, before the last inning or he would have got one more at bat. He would have had a chance to walk five times and steal 100 million bases or whatever he did. I really enjoyed that box score. I thought that was a pretty sweet line. So here's an interesting box score, just as I'm I'm looking through some interesting ones as we're talking about it. This is actually a line. I mean, so we've been talking about pitch uh, batters. You know, what, what, did the, what did the batters do offensively? Here is a pitching line for Dick Drago, which is one of the coolest names. I'm guessing if he was a, if he was a Harry Potter character, he'd be in Slytherin. <laughs> so this game, uh, Friday, July 30th, 1971. Start time, a local start time of 8.30. I'm assuming that this game got r- rained out. Uh, because it's listed as an 8.30 start and the attendance was 6,800. Uh, the game duration was 48 minutes. Uh, Dick Drago went four innings, gave up one hit, one run, struck out three, and got the loss. <laughs> In a rain-shortened game, the, the Orioles beat the Royals one to nothing, and they didn't play the bottom of the fifth. <laughs> they a were, barn burner. The Royals had two hits. The only run for the Orioles was a home run by Frank Robinson. Can't do better than Frank Robinson hitting a home run. That's a quick game. Yeah, that's uh, that's a scorer's dream right there. Yeah, don't give, uh, you know, that might give Rob Manfred some ideas about five-inning games. <laughs> 48 yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, let's not do that. Uh, anyway, dude, I just wanted to kind of go over a little bit of a history there because it's such a big deal to a lot of baseball fans is, is checking out the box scores, uh, finding something weird on there. Hey, if you got, if you got a really odd box score, you want us to look at, feel free to, to point it out to us. Cause it's, that's fun stuff. Um, and it's a part of baseball history that, uh, you can actually get down to the nitty gritty of one person in one game and look how crazy it was, you know? Um, so, uh, be free, feel free to share. What's really cool, too, if you are a member of Sabre, you have access to the Sporting News archives online. So you can go back and you can look at the actual box scores in a, you know, from the Sporting News, from all these games way back in the day. I mean, you can obviously do it on Baseball Reference or RetroSheet, a bunch of these other websites. You can do it as well, but you can actually look and see, you know, their... I guess it's I guess it's a digital image of the actual copy that went out from the 1920s, 1910s, so on and so forth. But uh, one thing I did want to mention about Chadwick, uh, he was a good friend of Albert Spaulding, who we've talked about. Yes. But Chadwick uh, differed with Albert Spaulding when Albert Spaulding uh, demanded that Abner double the 
be declared the inventor of baseball. Chadwick said this, quote, he means well, but he don't know. I thought that was good. He's on, he's on our side. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Chadwick, um, uh, known kind of as the father of, of modern baseball. He, uh, he wrote the first baseball rule book, I believe. And some of the statistics like uh, earn run average and batting average. I think he's, he also, uh, he coined the K for strikeout. Right. Because he put the batter was struck and he used the K. Yeah. And struck. Yeah. Uh, he's actually the only writer to have been elected to the baseball hall of fame. That's, and he's not in the, uh, writer's wing. Oh, so he's, he's in the only the actual... writer in the non-writer's wing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we covered that when you, when you go in as a, as a broadcaster or writer, you are, you are in a wing that is in the hall of fame. You're not considered an actual hall of fame, I guess, member. I guess you are somewhat, but you're, you you know, you're not getting a plaque. That's right. Henry has a plaque. Yeah. All right. So there (laughs) is, uh, there is the box score. Yeah. I'm interested. If you've got a good box score, send it our way. I liked looking at this one with 13 and 15 errors. I think that might have been what led to an almost three-hour game back in 1876. It could have been me at shortstop is what it could have been. Yeah, or just me playing everywhere. They move me around and the ball finds you. That's what happens. All right, let's wrap up the, uh, let's wrap up the box score talk and uh, let's get into a very special episode of Wax Packs Heroes. We've got a, another couple of packs that were uh, created especially for us by one of our listeners, Marshall. When he's not busy sending us to Kangaroo Court, he is uh, sends us some of these packs of baseball cards. So let's go ahead and roll the intro. It is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax-based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition. It is time for Wax all right, before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the Junk Wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner, but there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good, but if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark, with that, which team are you picking? I'm going to select the Cleveland Guardians because I wanted to say Guardians for the first time in reference to Cleveland. All right. Well, we, you know, we've been saying Guardians for quite a while here. Well, yeah, okay. So you're going to go with the Guardians. Well, if we're going to go with that, I'm going to go with another team that should change their name, and we always say it this way anyway. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hammers. There you go. 
All right, so this is a special pack. So uh, there are 12 cards in each of these packs. So we're just gonna open up 12 today as opposed to our usual 10 because these were specially prepared for us. Let's see, right now, if we look at the scoreboard, Mark, you are running away with it. You have a six game lead. You're up 12 to six, eight more, and you put away your uh, back to back to back champions. I read an article the other day uh, that said if I were to pull this off, it's probably going to mean election to the Wax Packs Heroes Hall of Fame. So. Well, I'm the commissioner of the Hall oh, of Fame. Oh, no. So, I'm yeah, never going to make that it. That might not happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, open these up. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm going to give you, you, you have the option. Do you want to go uh, first or second? I, I'd like to, I think I'd like to go first. I, I, uh, even though I'm the home team at this point, I should, maybe I should go second since I'm opening the packs for once. All right. All right. All right. So, you go first. All right. Go ahead. And he's, uh, right. he's designated these packs. So technically Marshall already knows who wins this, I think. So Jeff's, this is, says, uh, 1991 Donruss made for Jeff. So here we go. Well, I, I think he'll like the top card. Here you go. This is a special pack for Jeff, it says. All right, so your first player, the Colonel, Oakland A's reliever. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, uh, the Colonel, I believe, is that Joe Clink? Joe Clink, you got it. There All you right. go. I think that was a um, some Colonel Clink. It's from Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. There you go. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joe Klink. I remember him with the A's and the Marlins. Apparently, he also finished up with the Mariners in 1996, <laughs> uh, as everyone did. Five years in the big leagues for the Klink. Uh, why didn't they ever call him like Jail or something? Or, or... <laughs> it just fit too nicely to have Colonel Klink on board. Jail's not a great nickname. I'm going to admit that. Uh, let's see. In 1990, he had it. Wow. Look at this. So we talked last week uh, in trivia about relievers that poached a lot of wins uh, <laughs> joe clink 10 and 3 in 1991 wow. 62 games he played a lot did not start a single game 4.35 era had a couple of saves i'm guessing those were kind of the uh three inning variety not a lot of strikeouts era plus is 88 and all of that together is going to equal a war of 0, 0.0 unless there's anything on that card that's going to help me so his wins above replacement is he's exactly the replacement. He is a, he is a, an average player there. He's a triple A <laughs> player for the most part in the big, in the big leagues. There uh, you go. Anything on that card going to help me out? Um, well, you can't see any stirrups and uh, uh, it doesn't look like it, man. So uh, according to this, and I'm not sure if this has since been surpassed, Clink once went 90 consecutive games without allowing a home run. The longest by a left-handed pitcher since at least 1957. That's incredible. That is. Wow. All right, so uh, I start out with a big goose egg. Yes, so your next player, uh, another Oakland Athletic. I'm starting to see a theme here. <laughs> uh, this would be reliever Reggie Harris. I believe he wore glasses. Is that? Uh, he may have, uh, not in this picture. And had a mustache? Um, he did have a mustache. He he uh, he owned a BMW, and he let me watch it when he was out of town in Tacoma. Oh, is this the one that that sat in your garage? <laughs> Most of the time, yeah. I was too afraid to drive it. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't blame you. Well, uh, looking at Mister Harris here, is did Marshall put together like the the just the bullpen from the ninety one A's? Uh, <laughs> two games, 
for <laughs> for Reggie that year went uh, no record a 12 point ERA only appeared in three innings gave up four earned runs in those three innings uh, let's see walked three struck out two with two wild pitches oops <laughs> that's an ERA plus of 36 so <laughs> that's not good and that is a war of minus point two is there anything on that card that's gonna help nope it's just uh just a bust picture uh, but it does our, look pretty tough in it. All right. So I'm at minus two after two cards. Nice. All right. And now uh, look at this. Another Oakland Athletics player. It's uh, catcher Ron Hassey. Oh, I believe we've talked about him before. Hassey was, was he the starter back then? No, Steiny. It was Steiny had already come on the scene. Okay. Uh, well, especially in 91. Let's see. 91 was Ron Hassey's final year in the big leagues. Played it for the Expos that year at the age 38. Hit 227. Back up here is, is expected. 14-year career. Five years in the big leagues where he caught over 100 games. Most of those were when it, he was with the Guardians. I You know, if this is going to be all A's and all Mariners, I feel like we're not going to pick the Guardians of the Hammers in any point. <laughs> Yeah, I think that kind of went by the wayside. Well, unless uh, they they signed with a new team and they, they, they're on it that year. But not a lot of offense for Hassey. Didn't always, uh, never really had a whole lot. And uh, a war of a positive point one though. Well, there you go. Anything on that card going to help? He's got fake stirrups, my friend. Oh, so it's really nothing. So that's a, that's a minus point one. I'm still at minus point two. Now, I do know, I, I think it was, yeah, I was listening to the 88 Tops podcast, and uh, they did Ron Hassey, and I listened to that episode. Ron Hassey, big name in Tucson, Arizona. His family, uh, an athletic legacy uh, in, huh. in Tucson. All right, so I'm, I'm still at minus two. All right, your next card, Jeff, is a Hall of Famer. All right. And he was a DH for the A's, and his name was Harold Baines. Ah, well, I know I'll be in the positive here because he's a Hall of Famer, which is good. Uh, Harold Baines with his, uh, actually he played three years total in Oakland. 90 he got, he came over at the uh, at the deadline. I, I thought he just came and played another full year, but no, three years. 91, he was also an all-star. So I like, I like where this is headed. Hit 295 that year, 20 home runs, 90 RBI. A uh, 383 on base and a 473 slugging. I like that for a 143 OPS plus. And that equals a 2.9 war. He's a Hall of Famer. So that gives me a whole point. And he was an all-star. So that's half a point. So that will bring me up to 4.4. Anything else on that card going to help me out? No, it's a a close-up. So, uh, well, wait, iBlack. Do you get points for iBlack? Yes, I I do. Yeah, Yeah, you get some iBlack points. All right, so that'll bring me up all the way up to 4.3 from Harold Baines. I like it. Nice. Oh, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the question we, we came up with last week. How many career stolen bases do you think Harold Baines has? <laughs> uh, well, he played like 20 years. 22 years. Um, 50. Uh, no. Nolan Ryan on both the stolen bases and caught stealing. 34 each way. Oh, Nice. 34, 34, there it is. He stole nice. 10 in 1982. Now, remember, at oh. the end of his career, he had really bad knees. He could not, yes. I mean, he and Albert Pujols could race a sundial, yeah. that kind of speed. But have we ever talked about, remember, he came up with the White Sox and then uh, went to Texas. The White Sox retired his jersey number while huh. he was still playing. 
And then he ended up on the White Sox two other times. Bore his number while it was retired, but I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know if we talked about that. He played forever. Yeah. Man, he hit a ton, didn't he? 384 career home runs, 1,628 RBIs. All right, so got you a few points there. Yep. I'm at and uh, back to the bullpen. All right. All right. This guy's got one of my favorite nicknames, Steve Chitron or Steve Kentucky Fried Chitron. He's a rated rookie. I have never heard Steve Kentucky Fried Chitron, but I definitely know who this is. Uh, let's see, two years in the big leagues. A lot of these guys came up and uh, pitched a little and then they were gone. Steve Chitron in 91, it was his second of his two years. He went one and four, so he poached some of those losses from, from the Colonel. ERA, 89 ERA plus, 32 walks, and 47 strikeouts in 60 innings. All that equates to a war of minus (laughs) 0.2. Anything on that card going to help me out? Yeah, I'm afraid he's got uh, fake stirrups on. Well, that doesn't help me out. No, we don't don't like that. All right, so that'll take me down to four even right when I was starting to make some some headway. Fred. Calm down. I don't know what that's about. Okay. Okay, so moving on, we're staying in the bullpen, Jeff, okay. for uh, one of my favorites, Mr. Todd, third-degree Burns. All right, we've definitely talked about Todd and his baseball uh, academy down there in, uh, I think it's Alabama? It was. Uh, it's like where the double-A team was. Huntsville. Yeah. Ah, see. All right. Let's see. Uh, 1991, uh, six years in the big leagues for third degree. 91, he went 1-0, and only appeared in nine games, a 3.38 ERA, only got into 13 and a third innings, struck out three, walked eight, but his ERA plus was still 116. So a little bit above average there. All of that equates to a war of 0.2 which pretty much evens it out from uh, from the last <laughs> run. Uh, anything on that card going to help me out? Nope, no glasses, no stirrups, nothing. All right, so that's a big point, too. I'm really moving on up here. All right, E.T. is up. Uh, Willie McGee for your A's. We learned does not like that nickname. Can't imagine why. <laughs> uh, let's see, so Willie McGee, another one of those guys that came over at the deadline in 1990 from St. Louis where he led the Amer- uh, led the National League in batting average, even after he left and played the final month in Oakland, uh, won the National League batting title with a three thirty five in 1990. In 91, he was with the Giants. So here's one of those cases hmm. where he's not uh, not with that team anymore. Hit three twelve, And Willie could hit. two ninety five average in 18 years. 17 stolen bases this year. 119 OPS+. Plus. Uh, don't forget, Willie was the MVP back in 1985. Look at that. 353 average, 216 hits, led the league with 18 triples, and wow. uh, had 56 stolen bases. That's a good, good year. That guy could play some baseball. Only grounded into three double plays. Wow, yeah. He was quick, and he, he was uh, really fast out of the box. Yeah. Let's see. War of 2.9. I'll take that. Anything on that card can help me out? Yeah, there's a pretty blatant uh, fake stirrups as the, the stirrup ends before it gets to the shoe. I hate that. That's It's, <laughs> it's just not a, not a good look. Agreed. Oh, yeah. I, I keep seeing cards of Willie in the 
in the minors, and I keep forgetting he was a first round draft pick of the New York Yankees. Was he really? Yeah, he was traded by the Yankees to the Cardinals for Bob Sykes. Oh, okay. yeah, he was uh, Sykes was a pitcher, a lefty, five years in the big leagues, a career 4.65 ERA, but just n- of no consequence. And they gave up a first round draft pick for him. Wow. And uh, he never put on a Yankee uniform. Wow. And Willie McGee, he had a pretty good career. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, 18 years of hitting 295. And that's not bad. I'd say that uh, I'd say that the Cardinals definitely won that uh, <laughs> won that trade. 94 career triples. So we're going now to a starting pitcher. Uh, this is a guy that I had to pick up at the airport once for a rehab assignment and I got lost. It's pre GPS. And he made fun of me the whole time. It was really funny. Kurt Young. Pitching coach to the stars, Kurt Young. Yeah, let's see. Kurt had a pretty good career. 11 years in the big leagues. Definitely spent longer than that as a pitching coach with mainly the A's and then the Red Sox. Spent most of his time in the big leagues with Oakland. 10 years with the A's. Also, short stints with the Royals and the Yankees. In 1991, he went 4-2 with a 5.0 ERA in uh, 41 games. He got one spot start, apparently. Yeah, he was just kind of an average pitcher for somebody that became such a good pitching coach. 69 and 53 overall in his career. And in 1991, all that equates to a war of minus 0.4. Ouch. Marshall, what are you doing? Are you just trying to give us negative numbers here? Young pitched a pair of one hitters in his career in uh, 86 and 87. Wow. And uh, then he played in the 88 and 90 World Series. He decided to skip the one that they won. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, but I, he, he appeared in games that year, so he still, he still got the ring. All right, I'm at 6.6. All right, and moving on to another uh, pitcher who you're going to wish you had his 1990 stats, Bob Welch. Like those 90 stats, what was it, 27 wins that year? 27 and 6. Yeah. Not bad. Let's see, Bob Welch, 1991, 12 and 13. He did uh, start a league-leading 35 games, 4.58 ERA. Quite a quite a, a different year yeah. than the previous years. I mean, leading up to that 27, he went 15 and 9, 17 and 9, 17 and 8. And then uh, in 91, he goes 12 and 13. That equates to a war of... Minus 0.4. Yikes. Marshall, what have I done to you? <laughs> Who hurt you, Marshall? 1990, he was your Cy Young Award winner, too. So Yeah. Bummer. Well, he was in a big deal in 87, a three-team deal between the Dodgers, the Mets, and the A's. These are some of the players that were included in that uh, deal. Uh, Jesse Orozco, Kevin Tappany, Jay Howell, Alfredo Griffin, Matt Young, I guess it's more a, a, a bunch of names rather than big names. Sure. Yeah. A lot of big league players, though. Yeah. We've talked about Bob Welch uh, at nauseum. I think about this, push about the Go-Go's mm-hmm. reference. And then, of course, he uh, unfortunately passed away uh, in an accident. But, uh, Bob Welch, one of, my, one of my guys. All right. I'm at 6.2. All right, Jeff, back to, oh, we got a second baseman here. Second I think baseman. someone you've heard of. Is it Willie Randolph. Oh, I was going to guess. Okay. I know you're going to guess wrong, so I 
excited to help you avoid the embarrassment. Yeah, Willie would. I was I was going to go with uh, with Gallego or Blankenship to lead off. But I figured. Yep. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Willie Randolph, uh, one year in Oakland, and that was in 1990. 1991, he was with the Brewers at age 36. Appeared in 124 games, so getting a lot of time at second base there. Let's see. Uh, hit 327 for the wow. year. What? At age 36. Look at, at eight, that. You know, if you told me that, I would say, okay, what, he played 14 games? No, 124 right. games. Not bad. 14 doubles, no home runs, 54 RBI, had four stolen bases, a uh, 374 on base, and a 126 OPS plus. All of that equates to a war of 4.3. Who would have thought Willie Randolph would be my big point getter? No kidding. That's impressive. Uh, Anything on that card going to help me out? No. he, uh, He just looks confused, so he reminds me of me. And Marshall ran out of A's players, so here are cards from your next favorite team. All right, well, let's see who he thinks my next favorite team is. Next player, Kevin Maz of the New York Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rookie card, by the way. Well, well, the Yankees are certainly not my second favorite team. I am a huge Kevin Moss fan. So I believe Kevin Moss was the first Yankee to wear number 24 after Ricky left. Ah. I can't be positive. I could look it up here, but I'm not so inclined right now. Uh, let's see. Kevin Moss only played for five years in the big leagues, but 1990 was a, was a good year. So was 91 for that matter. But mm-hmm. he came up in 90 in 79 games and hit 21 home runs. Yeah, is, I remember him as a strat player. He had 21 home runs and 254 at-bats. So he had home runs all over his card against right-handers, and I only used them against right-handers. So he came in second in the uh, Rookie of the Year balloting behind Sandy Alomar of the Guardians. 91, though, he had a great year as well. He appeared in 148 games. He hit 23 home runs, only 63 RBI, though, 14 doubles, uh, struck out a good deal at 128, but he walked 83 times, only a 220 average, and a 390 slugging for a 100 even OPS plus, and that equals a WAR of 0.8. Anything 0.8 from Kevin Mons. Anything on that card gonna get me anything? Yeah, yeah I believe we have real stirrups. Okay. Way to go, Kevin! I'll, I'll take it. That'll bring me up to 11.4. Oh, Moss signed with the Hanshin Tigers to replace Glenn Davis. Wow. Let's see what he. Let's see what he did in uh, in Japan here. And did he play the full year or not? Um, let's see. One year, 63 games, eight home runs, 42 RBI of 245 average. Okay. But nothing, mm. nothing that great. All right. Interestingly, uh, there's a note on the card. It says, uh, he hit his first 15 home runs in the fewest number at bats, 133. I, I remember he was hitting them every day. And then uh, Shane Spencer for the Yankees kind of did the same thing, didn't he, a couple of years later? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, I'm at uh, I'm at 11.7. Your last card, right. uh, another of your favorite team, the Yankees, Andy Hawkins. I'm guessing he wants us to talk about the, uh, the no-hitter that he lost. <laughs> oh, boy, I almost went into that talking about box scores. Yes, yeah, so that was let, a weird box score. Let's see, 1991. Well, Marshall, you know, uh, Hawkins started the year with the Yankees, but he finished it with Oakland. You know, I, okay. I this one's okay. Four Fair and enough. six record with a 5.52 ERA. 
Not great. I'm not not, not what you're looking for now. Yeah, no. not expecting a whole lot here. All that equates to a war of uh, minus 0.5. Okay. All right. Good finish. <laughs> Anything else in he that card? He does have real stirrups, man. All right. So that'll, real stirrups. No eye black. That'll take me up to 11.3 at least. All right. So that is a final score of 11.3. I've got to hope that uh, that Marshall has done the same to you and given you some uh, some low rent uh, part time players. Okay, here we go. Now, is, is yours going to be from the Mariners or the Astros? It looks like it says this is a special pack for Mark, and I got Matt Young of the Seattle Mariners on top. So so far, it's starting out very similar to mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's see, Matt Young, twelve years in the big leagues, also played for the A's for one year. In 1989. In 1991, he was with the Red Sox. Three and seven, Mark. Very impressive. 90 with the with the Mariners, he was eight and 18. So, mm. <laughs> but with Holy. a 3.51 ERA. So well, not much you can do about that. Yeah, I'm guessing they didn't score a lot of runs. In 91, that's a 5.18 ERA. That is not good either. 84 ERA plus. With that 8 and 18 mark, this just goes to show you how little wins and records really mean. He had a 112 ERA plus, meaning he was above average compared to the rest of the league when it came to earned runs given up, which again is kind of a useless stat as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, 91, though, overall a minus 0.24. Good start. Good start. Hey, it's uh, you know it's even. I like this. He he he's given us both some players that uh, uh, really weren't that good. Let's see. You know what he was involved in though? He was he was involved in that trade that we talked about uh, with Bob Welch. Oh, okay. That with the three teams. Maybe that was the tie there. Oh, we'll get okay. So you, we had Andy Hawkins, right? Yes. I I don't know. I don't think we ever talked about this. Matt Young. Also threw a no-hitter that he lost. I don't remember that. Yeah, in uh, 1992 against the Guardians in the first game of a doubleheader, gave up two runs, seven walks, and an error by shortstop Luis Rivera on the way to the fourth no-hitter by a losing pitcher. <laughs> Clemens, oh, this was, with the, this was with the Red Sox, and then Clemens pitched a two-hit shutout in the second game giving Young and Clemens the fewest hits allowed in a doubleheader, two. Wow. I, how have we never talked about that? I don't And how know. do we that's, not remember that? But uh, That's pretty right. significant. Yeah. All right, so yeah. you're at minus two. Good start. All right, so we got a big name next. All right. Russ Swan. <laughs> well, I remember Russ Swan. I remember Russ Swan. Yeah. He was uh, he was a giant, and I think he got dealt to the Mariners. Yeah, he came up with the Giants in '89. Uh, let's see, he was uh, dealt in 1990 to the Mariners. In '91, he went six and two with a 3.43 ERA, a couple of saves, uh, strikeout to walk ratio just about even but a 120 ERA plus, and all of that equates to a 1.1 war. Hey, positive. Yep. Anything on that card going to help you? or? No, it's kind of a blank stare. Do we get points for blank stares? Well, so Russ Swan in 1990 took a no-hitter into the eighth for the Mariners against the Tigers, but couldn't finish it out. Oh. Uh, now, here is something I did not know. Russ Swan worked as a pitching coach at Washington State University. After really? He, yeah. Oh. All right, you're at point nine now. 
2.9, and I uh, am on to Mariner's pitcher Bill Swift. Swifty. Yes. Let's see here. Bill Swift, 13 years in the big leagues, most of it with Seattle, spent three years also with Colorado and three in San Francisco. In 1991, we are doing 91 with you as well, right? Yes, they're 91 dollars. Good. <laughs> 91 went one and two with a 1.99 ERA in 71 games, had 17 saves. I'm afraid you're going to beat me with this one card. 48 strikeouts in 90 and a third innings, a 207 ERA plus. Wow. Wow. And all of that equates to a war of 3.7. Wow. I guess we know who Marshall likes more. Tell you what, he had some pretty good years, this guy. Yeah, he went 21 and 8 in 1993 with the Giants. Man. And the two, year before that. 232 innings. The year before that, he went 10 and 4 with a 2.08 ERA. Wow. At 93, he came in second in the Cy Young validating. Wow. Yeah, he had some uh, he had some good years. He was uh, involved with a trade. He and Dave Burba and Michael Jackson were sent from the Mariners to the Giants for Kevin Mitchell and Mike Remlinger. He was a Mariners number one draft pick too in '84. You're at uh, you are at four point six. All right, and moving on to Mister Mariner, Alvin Davis, AD himself, Alvin Davis. In '91, uh, he hit 221. His final year with the Mariners, 12 yeah. home runs, 69 RBI, a 299 on base. That is uh, kind of low. Led the league in sacrifice flies though with 10 and a 76 OPS plus, and that equals a WAR of minus 1.8. Ouch! Ouch, Mister Mariner. I would have never guessed Alvin Davis would have a WAR of a minus 1.8. Make it minus 1.9. He's got fake stirrups. Well, he deserves that. <laughs> I still love you, AD. I still do. Rookie of the year in 1984. Played at Arizona State, as I think just about every good baseball player did at that point. <laughs> he was uh, only spent one day in his first stint in AAA when he was uh, promoted due to a hand injury uh, sustained by Ken Phelps before being traded for. Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps. Uh, people are telling me Ken Phelps. <laughs> uh, uh, still uh, uh, an absolute hero up in the Northwest still. and moving on to Mr. Ken Griffey Sr. <laughs> I, I first was thought you were going to say Ken Phelps but uh, <laughs> no uh, let's see Ken Griffey Sr. alright well the senior version 19 years in the big leagues most of it with Cincinnati part of the uh, the big red machine also played for New York for five years, Atlanta for three, and then Seattle to finish it out. I don't know why he went to Seattle at the end of his career. I can't think of anything that happened there. Yeah. 1991 was his final year. He was aged 41, appeared in 30 games, still hit 282. 296 wow. career hitter. Wow. Not bad. 359 on base uh, for his career. Hit one home run that year, had nine RBI. And uh, overall, that is going to get us to a war of positive 0.3. Anything else going to help you out there? I can't tell with the stirrups. They look fake to me, though. I'm going to go with fake. No, you know what? He got a World Series ring in 1990 because huh? he was traded from the Reds to the Mariners. He got a World <laughs> Series funny. ring. Huh. Oh, I did not know this. He is the father of uh, Hall of Fame outfielder Ken Griffey Jr. 
weird. I always thought it was weird they had the same name except for junior and senior. What are and, the odds? Yeah. And, and of course, uh, from the same hometown, both he and his son is Stan Musial. Uh-huh. And uh, shares a birth date with uh, Stan Musial as well. Wow. So something's in the water there. Yeah, definitely. All right. You're at 2.9. All right. Moving on to Mike. Don't call me Michael Jackson. Relief pitcher. Do you ever play any Michael Jackson when he came out to the mound? I imagine so. It almost seems too easy, though. Let's see. Michael Jackson. Mike Jackson. I'm sorry. 17 years in the big leagues. Uh, let's see. He started seven games his entire career, and that was in 87. In 1991, he was with Seattle, went 7-7, seven and seven, a 3.25 ERA. Appeared in 72 games, worked a lot, 14 saves, a 127 ERA+. Plus, and all of that equates to a war of a positive 1.9. That's a pretty big number for a reliever. I'll take that any day. Anything else on that card going to help you out? Nope, nothing cool. No eye black, no stirrups. Well, he was traded. Uh, <laughs> he was traded by the Mariners with Dave Burba and Bill Swift for Kevin Mitchell and Mike Rellinger. <laughs> Is he just well, putting a bunch of a uh, bunch of guys that were involved in the same trades in these packs? <laughs> Maybe so. Well, they're all the same teams. Big fan of some of these trades, I think. All right, so we're switching up. Here are cards from your most favorite team. We're changing to the Houston Astros mid pack. Hmm. Okay. I'm starting off with Mr. Danny Darwin, starting pitcher. Love this guy. Danny Darwin, my goodness, 21 years in the big leagues. That is not bad. 371 games started over his career. Also has 32 saves. In 1991, though, he was with the Red Sox. He went 3-6 with a 5.16 ERA. Only started 12 games, only appeared in 12 games, so... I'm guessing he might have been injured at some point in uh, that season. And all of that would equate to a war of positive 0.2. Okay, okay. Anything else going to help you in that card? Mm, no, it's, if, if we were doing mustaches for sure, but no. no. Yeah, he always had a good mustache. Danny Darwin from Bonham, Texas, known as the Bonham Bullet. Yeah, also known as Dr. Death. <laughs> well... Which, I, re- I know Dr. Death Steve Williams, a wrestler, who was <laughs> a that. psycho. Yeah. I don't know, unless Danny Darwin was a headhunter, how you get that nickname as a pitcher. Hmm. Oh, we've talked about this when he got in a brawl uh, when he was with the Phillies against the Giants, when Oral Hershiser was with the Giants, and Darwin punched Hershiser in the face. Right. Even though they were teammates. but uh hersheiser claimed it was retribution for when oral hit darwin in the back when he was pitching against him now i'm all (laughs) for this because when we talked to uh when we talked to bobby valentine we found out that oral hersheiser was the team snitch on the mets and reported (laughs) ricky and uh, bonilla playing cards to, to bobby also while, uh, while he was a teammate with Barry Bonds, they got into a heated argument when Bonds lazily fielded a ball that uh, became an RBI. Hmm. He's not the, maybe that's why he's called Dr. Death. It was very intense. Yeah. All that right, you're at, like. you're at five point even. Five even. All right, and moving on to Xavier Hernandez of the Astros. I remember him. I remember him mainly as a tiger, I think. 
Is that he used to pitch, guy? I swear, he pitched every other game. No, he never played in Detroit. Houston, Texas, Cincinnati, the Yankees, and Toronto. I'm thinking of some other Xavier, I guess. Uh, 91 oh, with yeah. Houston, 2-7, and seven, a 4.71 ERA. Got a, couple, a handful of starts, a handful of saves, 63 innings, 66 hits, 55 strikeouts, though. And that equates to a war of minus 0.4. Bummer. And I cannot tell if these are real scripts or not, so we're just going to go blank. Okay. I probably would have leaned towards them being two-and-ones, but okay. <laughs> I'm sure you would have. Check out the, his, uh, his 92 stats. He pitched in 77 games out of the bullpen, 111 innings in relief. That is uh, a lot. That's a workhorse, man. All right, so you're at 4.6 now. All right, and moving on to one of my favorite players of all time, who was an Astro, but he's known for doing something pretty major with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Mr. Luis Gonzalez. Louis. a rookie card. Gonzo. Going, going, Gonzalez. All right, so in 1991 with the Astros, his rookie year, no rookie of the year votes. Just kind of checking. 137 games, hit 254, a 320 on base, which isn't that great. 117 OPS plus. He had 13 home runs, 69 RBI, and 10 stolen bases. So really not a bad year. I'm surprised he didn't get at least a couple of votes. But that equals a 3.6 war, pending anything else on that card. Um, you know what? I it's hard to tell, but I'm pretty sure these are fake stirrups because they're wrinkled. So we'll go fake stirrups on this one. All right. Let's see. Louis involved in a... I don't know why I'm calling him Louis when his nickname is Gonzo. Uh, I'm going to stick with it, though. Louis uh, traded by the Astros with the manager of your Seattle Mariners, Scott Service, for Rick Wilkins in 1995. Another left-handed catcher. Left-handed hitting catcher. There you go. And we come full circle. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless you. Oh, wait. Wait, do we still have to finish this? All right, so you are at 8.1 with a couple of cards left. Well, who's next? The next is the great Glenn Davis. Already mentioned him today. That's right. But it was playing in Japan. So let's see, 1991, Davis was with Baltimore, 49 games, 227, had 10 home runs, 28 RBI, 113 OPS+. Plus, and all of that equates to a war of positive 0.5. Wow, he pulled out a positive. Uh, how many stolen bases do you think uh, Mr. Davis has in his career? 25? Very close, 28. Oh, okay. And uh, let's see, just since we mentioned he played for the Tigers in Japan, 95 and 96, uh, 95 he played, looks like almost a full season, 23 home runs, 77 RBI, and then only 33 games for Hanshin in 96, five home runs, 18 RBI before he was replaced by... Mr. Moss. Ah, uh, yes. And, uh, and Glenn Davis, uh, in true gamer format with the real stirrups. Nice. All right. So that'll take you up to 8.7 with two left. All right. And the next one is pitcher Mike Scott, looking a lot like Kelsey Grammer in this picture. Mr. Cheater Mike Scott. Proof of that. Oh, yeah, he admits it. Except for the confession. Yeah, when he, when he gave himself up. Uh, I think the, the statute of limitations was probably over at that point. But, uh, 13 years in the big leagues, nine with Houston, four with the Mets. He came up with the Mets. Uh, big year in 89, went 20 and 10, came in second in the uh, 
Cy Young voting, got some MVP votes as well. 91 was his final year in the big leagues, 36 years old, only appeared in two games. Both of them he started. He went 0-2 with a 12.86 ERA. Seven innings, 10 earned runs. This is not going to be good. It's not going to help. I don't think. A 29 ERA plus. That equate, it's only a minus 0.5. They barely pitched. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Anything on that card going to uh, hinder or help you? Mm, doesn't look like it, no. All right, that'll take you to 8.2. And your final card as you trail me by three points. Yes, and it's not going to get me there, I don't think. Outfielder Gerald Young. I don't think that's going to get you there either. Uh, let's see. Gerald Young, outfielder, eight years in the big leagues, 1991 with the Astros. 108 games, a 218 average, one home run, 11 RBI. Not a whole lot to talk about here, mm-hmm. uh, but still a war of 0.9. So he must have had some good defense. Yeah, Gerald, Gerald Young was definitely a good defensive outfielder. Let's see. He was traded by the Mets with Manny Lee for Ray Knight. Ah, uh, yes. In 84. I remember that act. I think that worked out pretty well for the Mets. All right, so that is going to bring your total up to 9.1. Do we have any more packs for Marshall? Because that gave me a rare win. Nope, that is it right there. We are void of any further packs and any further cards in this game. Congratulations, my friend. I forgot what it feels like to win. Uh, (laughs) That'll take my total up to seven. I'm very slowly creeping up. Uh, and your uh, win total still at 12. All right. Thank you to Marshall. Again, if uh, anybody has uh, wants to make some custom packs for us, uh, if you can make them 10 cards and uh, just send us a DM, we'll, sh- we'll tell you where you can send that. We really appreciate that, Marshall. That was really cool of you. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Let's start to wind down the episode as well. I told you at the beginning we'd tell you Uh, right about now how you can get a hold of us to send us uh, second best topics or if you've got some crazy box uh, scores you want us to look at you can find us at two strike noise that is at two strike noise on twitter on instagram you can find us in on youtube on twitch Uh, all of this is in the show notes mark we also have an email address that's right. You can email us at two strike noise. Spell it out. T-W-O strike noise at gmail.com. If you have emailed us and you haven't heard back yet, I apologize. We're a little behind, but we're going to get back to you. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank everybody for joining us. And yeah, go out there, watch some cricket. Maybe we can we can talk cricket again next week. But uh, until then, we will see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great day.